This is the Gary V Audio Experience. Cause we're gonna be So the, the first thing I want to ask you is, as, as I was listening to you backstage, there, what's interesting, knowing the demographic of what's in this room, yes. they follow Gary. You mean, att- you mean attractive? Well, I mean, I'm leading the cause on that one. We all know that. But, but we, they follow Gary Vaynerchuk and they follow Tim Ferriss. Yes. Now, the rhetoric on both of those sides is, and I know you know Tim, yep. is, is, you talk about working your fucking face off, and then the other side is build a cash flow business and work four hours a week. Now, I know that Tim also works his fucking face off. I think that's an interesting place to start. <laughs> but I'm, I'm curious if you say, don't, don't leave anything on the court. Yeah. Or don't, don't leave anything in the tank. Yeah. I don't want you to have any regret. Yeah. If, and, and there's in, a lot of ways to look at that go the opposite way of what looks obvious in me saying that. Your regret is maybe you tried to make so much money and you didn't hang out with your kids and they go to college and you're like, who's Rick? So, it, you know, every, so what I mean by that, right? And, so, and, and, that's why, and that's why I wanted to stop you there. I wanna make sure everybody understands. I think things like this are very fun and interesting to me because what I know and what all of you subconsciously know is we're all fundamentally different. We have different skills, we have different wants, we come from different places and a lot of different things are gonna happen to us. The reason I was pushing self-awareness so much is if you're able to unlock the I'm not gonna lie to myself, it really changes the game and then if you can deploy a lot of work ethic against that, that is the model that I've seen sustain, you know, the other thing that happens in a lot of shit like this is the lack of sustained wealth. There's a big difference between being rich for a few minutes and being wealthy for life. And so those behaviors matter too. There's a lot of people that were real estate experts and now are social media experts and are gonna be whatever the next thing the experts are. Bro. And they're always, that's, that's exactly right. <laughs> yeah, that's, so, that's what I'm, that's so what I'm I think, at. I, look, I think Tim's point in four hour work week, and you know, I don't, like, one of my flaws is I don't read books. So I don't, I don't know fully, but I know Tim super well. I think that, um, I think that finding efficiencies is always smart. And, but the way I think you find efficiencies is a little bit maybe different. I think a lot of people think of them as algorithms. I think of them as doing really well at what you do and then taking a percentage of those monies in hiring other people to do the other things really well. Um, I think that there's a lot more uh, stickiness to that model. Yeah, ba- based on that point, I'm curious about VaynerMedia going from three to 100. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned that people have been the, the lifeblood of that. But really, what were, what were the leverage points of that meteoric growth? I punted everything except for two things. Winning new business, because I'm a great fucking salesman, and micromanaging HR, because I love my people. And by me spending 92% of my time on that and letting my brother, letting all our other executives do everything else that I could do too, I'm an operator, I did it at Wine Library, but focusing on the two things in an agency business that matters, which is in an agency you're selling people's time, so people are the asset. So I wanted to become close with them and work through all the things and make them know the intent and lack of politics and all that. And then I went out and you know, sold Pepsi and Toyota and Quaker and GE, and so we didn't have to do RFPs or have a new business division, which is why a lot of agencies lose.
I want to talk about the, the balance or the difference between staying on the cutting edge and letting distractions keep you from doing what's productive. Mm. Because there's a, there's a tendency of what's hot, let's go here. There's, you call it white space. Yes. Like, let's go after this. Let's yes. go, there's that, that commercial. We're going all in on woo-woo. <laughs> and and there's, there's this idea of whatever's hot, I'm going to go there. And yet those also can be shiny objects. You even mentioned you cut out Everything but Facebook ads. Yes. So what's what's the the difference what's there the between going for, but going for white space and then going all in on what's actually moving the needle? This is where hard work really comes in handy. When you're like me and you work 15 hours a day, if you're deploying 10 hours a day on practical execution and five hours a day on where's the future, you can pull them both off. I'm being dead serious. Like if you're only going to work eight hours a day. Well then, it gets harder, right? Because you're only spending six on practicality and two on the future, or just eight on practicality. I've made all my wealth on being right about Snapchat and Instagram and Facebook, but I had to go through a lot of social cams and Yobongos and <laughs> plurk, plurk. And like, you know, and like, and I spent 40 hours on social cam when it was exploding in 2009. It completely disappeared, but what I learned on human behavior on it helped me be very smart on Vine and Instagram video. So, look, to me, going for the shiny thing is going on the offense, and you have to do it. And I think you have to allocate 20 to 30% of your time and energy to it. And, you know, I'm a big believer in it. It doesn't seem like what most people think from a practical standpoint. I do believe the fact that I work so many hours helps me. When Vine came out, from midnight to four in the morning, for three straight weeks, I played on Vine. Literally slept three hours a week a day for like three weeks. I just needed the time. I had to figure it out. It was getting too hot. I knew it was big, but I was busy as balls. And that was it. I just made the commitment. I mean, it's just, it's, you know, it's just what you want. But again, I want to buy the New York Jets. It's going to cost me seven, eight billion by the time I'm ready. Right? I have a funny feeling. And as a matter of fact, I really wish I, you know what? I don't know how you feel. I'm fucking pissed I want to buy the Jets. I totally, I totally get that. I wish I just wanted to be what I am now and fucking chill. You know? I, like, life would be a lot easier if I had smaller goals. I life. mean, it's, it's exhausting. Like, fucking fuck, you know? <laughs> but I can't help it. I, it's my oxygen. The climb is what I live for. I'm a, I definitely know that I'm a true bred entrepreneur because I don't like success. Unpack that. What do you mean? You don't like success. But I don't like the wins. I like the process. As a matter of fact, the wins suck. Like, my wife has the funny joke with me. Like, vacation time with my family is my fucking life. And my wife and I have a funny joke. The second we land, the plane lands, I get depressed. It's the week before that I live for. Like, that's how I'm wired. I want to, I want to, I want the process of trying to buy the Jets. I made a video seven years ago holding up a newspaper like I was like a hostage like to prove the date. Not being smart enough to realize I was gonna be old by the time it actually happened. I wanted to prove the date. I made an entire video. I'm starting to talk about it a little bit so I wanted to hold on to it forever but I got fucking loose lips. It sucks. Anyway, I, I made a video where I basically claim that this is the worst day of my life and I'm gonna play it the day I buy the Jets. So in AJ and I, my brother and I, started having a dinner once a quarter where we only can talk about good news and sports because our relationship has defaulted into only negatives. And our days are like this. 
Hey, we just won a $10 million account with Mountain Dew. Hey, this is great, this is great. We hired 43 people, this is great, this is great. Hey, Sally and Karen are fighting. Hey, the, 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 the Dove client is pissed about this. And it's just, we, don't, we like, don't even acknowledge these fucking amazing things and we're just firefighting, right? And that's what entrepreneurship is for me. It's just the process of growing, like, that's how I see it. It's very kind of sad. <laughs> it is. I, I want to I call something out that not a lot of people like to talk about, and it's that half this room don't actually care about their businesses. They only care about the cash flow that it produces. I respect that. And, and that, that's why they got into it. That's and fine. they're in the business because of the cash flow. But the idea of working 15 hours a day to do something that they don't really enjoy all that much, they just want the cash flow from, sounds like a really terrible life. It so, is. So I, 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 want, <laughs> I want you to speak to that. Uh, I, I think you made a mistake on the first move. I mean, when, you're, when your first move is wrong, you're fucked. So now, now, sometimes you don't have a choice, right? Like, nobody talks about the fact that people have student loans and like have rent and like, I understand why. My part where I'll pick a bone with people in here is when you got to a place where you can now make a pivot and you got lazy and comfortable and you're not. I do not believe that anybody has the right to complain. You will never hear me complain about the hours I work or the things I miss out on. I'm so mad at people that complain about the successes they don't have while they watch entire seasons of Games of Thrones or like, or like are a part of the fucking softball team or like, or like, like fucking like are on planes like playing for like angry birds or words with friends. Like what the fuck's the matter with you? Like, like the reason, of course you're not gonna have that because you're not deploying the work. So what, what I think is, I don't judge anybody here that did something to get the monies. I judge somebody who sits in here who's not happy and complains about it and has gotten to a place where the practical stuff has been checked off, right? The debt's not accumulating anymore, right? Like, you're in a place. The reason I wanted to hammer home and I kind of glossed over it was that I took a step back in my career was because I think if you're a really great entrepreneur or, or thinking long term, you're willing to sacrifice things. You know what cripples everybody is you didn't have anything, you found an idea, you found somebody that gave you a concept, you got something that worked, and now you got something. Something that you were sold by the American media machine that you want, like a fucking watch or a car. Like, you know, you got something. And the fear is you don't want to go back to not having it. My greatest rationale for marrying my wife and the greatest thing that I know about myself is not only am I capable to going back to Queen's studio apartment, I secretly want it to happen. Like, you know Rocky Five when it's all sad and shit because he's like back to the thing and everyone's like, oh, too bad? I'm like, that's fucking awesome. <laughs> like, like, for me, it's the game, right? And so like, I'm, I don't need fancy shit. Like, fuck, that stuff kills me. Like, like yes, I want to buy the Jets. But I won't buy a jet on the way there, right? Like, I may because it's actually time efficient, I've come to learn, but, but it's really interesting. I think, that, I think the thing that makes me sad is people accumulate a little something and they don't want to go backwards and so they're not willing to change their behavior to go three steps forward. People are literally, literally crippled 
and scared to take one step back, a place they've been and they should understand, that's what scares them though, instead of going three steps forward and they get into that hump. And that million that they're making is now their handcuffs and they're stuck. And the reason I push hard work is there's a lot of people in here who are in that exact situation and still have seven hours a day to start something new but aren't putting in the hustle to do that because that's what I would do. If I was in that crowd making a milli, wanting to make 10 million or 100 million because I'm ambitious or want to build businesses or want to get to the next level, I hate selling fucking trinkets or whatever the fuck you do. I would then take eight hours a day and work from seven, eight, nine at night to two and three in the morning doing something else in parallel to this to siphon and allow that to be the big thing. Yeah, you like that one, right? I saw who clapped. I'm gonna give you daps, my man. I see you back there. So in, in the last hour, I've probably heard you talk about your wife and kids more than I've ever heard you talk about them. Interesting, you're not paying attention. <laughs> and I, if your wife was here, I would ask her, what's it like being married to an the entrepreneur? Greatest, oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, listen, I mean, and, and I'm, it's, I'm, I'm it's, very, it's very hard on Lizzie. Like, I, we had a very intense conversation the other day where she talked about like the wall she puts up when I'm home for a half a day in a week where I'm traveling the whole week where she doesn't even acknowledge that I'm there. Like, that's tough. She doesn't want to because it hurts that I'm gonna leave the next morning. Like, it's, it's very tough. Like, it's, it's where we're gonna survive and win and why I could be so frank and tell you that story that most people would keep inside is that we just over-communicate. We just talk a lot. Like, and the truth is, it's sad because I'm not capable of being anything else than what I am right now. I don't have it in me. I would die. And that's intense, but it's my truth. There is no, there is no cutting it down. It just is not gonna happen. And that is, uh, and that's hard, and that's hard. Now, there's just getting better. Like I cannot believe the amount of time I spend with my kids and work more than I did 10 years ago when I thought I was working the most and would have no time for anything else. It's just, it, it's literally getting into, again, I know, I know this guy in third row saw it in Daily V, I know that guy saw it, like every minute, it's every minute. Like what you saw there, that's not edited for your pleasure. It's every fuck, like as a matter of fact, one of the things I told DRock is eventually let's just put out all the film because I don't want, because I'm thinking the next thing people aren't gonna believe is that we're editing for that. Like fuck it. Like I'm gonna put one of those fucking head things on. Like just, like, it, like it's the way you can fix it is every minute gets put in play. And so one of the big things I armed was my health. Now I work out every day and like, you know, trying to make sure I can s- sustain it. Um, it's just every minute. Like, nobody here is more efficient with every minute in their day than I am. I know that for a fact. I know that for a fact. I, do, I just fundamentally do not believe that anybody else in here is programmed for 18 hours a day every day of their lives. For every minute. I don't even eat. <laughs> like, like, you know? Like, they're, they're, out, of 300, out of 275 days that are non-weekends, 240 of them, I have meetings from 7 p.m. to 11.30 minimum. That sounds awful. <laughs> Not for me, man. Like, what sounds awful is to be at home at 8.30 watching fucking The Bachelor. <laughs> <laughs> That's what sounds, what sounds awful is like, can't wait for the new Call of Duty. You know, like, like that sounds fucking awful. So, you, I mean, you're, you basically operate, like, you, you realize that, that life is a game and you're, you're operating it like it's your own game rather than living somebody else's. I, I, I'm yeah. curious, in, 
in life and business, yes. what activities or habits produce the greatest return for you right now versus 10 years ago, where you thought that you were hustling, you thought that you were moving the needle, and now it's completely different? What are the actual activities having a that move it? Having a full-time assistant is the biggest thing that happened for me. Like just, I'm, because I couldn't be my assistant. I'm not organized that way. So full-time assistant was a true, tangible answer to you. Somebody who, when I tell them, program me every minute and make sure you see every email and make sure nothing gets dropped, like, that has been a game changer for me. Um, <sighs> realizing what the Jets meant to me 10 years ago was a big one. Meaning, I realized, oh my God, the New York Jets are the kryptonite to this work machine. Meaning, when the Jets play, literally, you could come to me, tap me on the shoulder and say, the internet has collapsed and will never come back and alcohol sales are banned in America. <laughs> and I would say, shut the fuck up, the Jets are on defense. Like, like that, 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 you know, I think I saw you guys talking about it in the back room. I think you might have said on the whiteboard. It's very popular amongst my friends now. This whole, I meditate for 15 minutes every day. That whole thing, that's fine. Fuck that for me. But, <laughs> but, but, but what I realized is like awesome and fucking jealous because I wish I could do that. It's not for me. But for four hours on Sunday, 16 times a year, I'm in full meditation. And I mean it, I mean it. And when I realized that that was what was happening, it became so much better even, because it's really true. Like, I care about this thing that my, my conscious brain understands is not as important as the other things, but like literally the Jets are my religion. Like it is the one thing I'm religious about. And I really unwind from work in those four hours. And it's good that it's in the fourth quarter when a lot of stuff builds up. It's huge for me. It's huge, I mean, literally, it's my religion. Like, the Jets play the Giants on Sunday, that was the first day of Hanukkah. I fucking call my family, I'm like, listen, fucking family, I'm not, <laughs> like, like, just so we're on the same page, you want me around for Hanukkah? We're doing it Saturday, because I'm going to the Jets-Giants game. Like, that's how, like, that's how we roll. So, we, we are gonna take some Q&A in the audience, so if you do have a question, put your hands up, one of the mic runners will, will, will find you. I don't know if you even remember this, and I've never told this story, but originally when we planned this event a year ago, I was like, I want Gary Vaynerchuk because he's gonna own the New York Jets and I wanna decompress that process. I, I originally, we were gonna do this through Saturday and I said, I want Gary to keynote the whole thing. Two days later I get a call, Gary declined the speaking engagement. I was like, why? He's afraid he's gonna miss the Jets game on Sunday. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Book them for Friday then. <laughs> That's what happened. Yeah, so, so that is... We, I don't book anything for Thursdays in the fall until June 7th when the NFL schedule comes out in case it's the one week the Jets have their Thursday night game. <laughs> I got married on November 13th and we went on our honeymoon in February in case the Jets made a playoff run. So, uh... I would kill my children for a Jets Super Bowl. <laughs> So, uh, 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 <laughs> I mean, I think uh, that's, that's the punchline, right? Like, tough to top that. So I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, a little I'm a little embarrassed to admit this, but I was uh, a finalist for a shit show on Fox called Utopia 
Uh, which, oh shit! Really? Yeah, which ended up being just. Vayn a, VaynerMedia was going to work on that show. They oh were really? Well, I'm, well, you, I hope you, you maybe could have saved it because it was awful. It's it was the a war show. show in like Belgium, right? Yeah. It was terrible, and I was uh, I was I was about to be on this show, and I went through this entire casting process, which was like months of my life because I have this terrible dream I wish I didn't have of winning a reality show, and <laughs> and and it's a, a terrible bane of my existence, and I'm and I'm afraid Gary Vee is going to rip me a new one over admitting this dream, but I'm. I was a finalist for, for, for Utopia, and I actually was like, what if the Indians are in the playoffs while I'm on the show? Are you going to feed me that? Are you going to feed me info about the Indians? And they said no. And this was actually a contention point, and one of the guys says, everything is negotiable. So we actually had this on the table. You'll feed me Indians That's info awesome. if I'm going to be on the show. My kids, are, my kids' birthdays are in May and August because that's not football season. <laughs> I will never ever miss it. I've not missed a play of a New York Jets game since 1982. I've physically seen all of them. <laughs> literally, literally, only the death of somebody in my family is the only shot of me ever missing it. So, so let's let's decompress. Let's let's actually decompress the plan. Okay. From from what I, from what I'm taking away, the plan is yes. Is a you have you have your core business that is basically build your, a business called that was wrapped around my singular skill of really good marketing at scale to be an evergreen machine on my side for the rest of my life that I can then use to deploy all my other business behaviors and use that machine to make those business behaviors big. And when you say those other, I mean those other assets, is that I'm cash? Gonna, I'm gonna, no. I'm gonna buy Twinkies the business. Like I'm gonna buy a business for two, three, four, five hundred million dollars, and then flip it for two, three billion dollars. Okay, so so your your core business basically gives you leverage. That's right. In in order to get into other businesses. Yes. Or points in other businesses. Yes. Or or entire other businesses yes. that give you the points. <laughs> no. Yes. And and the exposure for people to actually want to use you as in the yes. name of an investor, which from my understanding is the only reason why you. Like have have your name out there. Like you no, don't I, you don't I, sell the dream. Like no, you, I don't. I don't. Just, I don't want to sell a you fucking just build e up a, You know, like like <laughs> you like just no. build up name recognition so people want to say Gary Vee's an investor in this. Guys, there's no growth hackers showing up on CNN. You know, like 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 it's just what you want to play. Like I want to build leverage with everybody in this room. I'm not trying to extract something from you in a one month, one week, first time you landed on my website, one speaking engagement situation. I have the potential to know you hopefully for the rest of my life. And so for me, I've always had this secret backup game plan of the reason I wanted to provide everybody long before there was Kickstarter. I was like, you know what? If I just provide a lot of value at scale to every American, like all of them, maybe all of them will give me 10 bucks to buy the Jets one day if I can't get there. You know, like, it's like I literally think like a marathon runner. Like the reason I'm out there is a couple things. One, I want to be a practitioner. So if I'm, if I'm doing the social, every single tweet, all 200,000 of them, I've written with my thumbs, right? Like I game planned like our Snapchat, our Instagram strategies. Like I, I do it and I wanna be the best craftsman in, right now I'm immersing myself in VR because I know it's a decade away and I wanna understand it like a tactician. Uh, but I also use it as brand leverage. You know, like, I get paid to speak. It's great money. I get paid millions of dollars in advance to, 
write a book if I want to. It's great money. Like I can do things. Like 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 it has brand equity. But I have to be right and I have to be good. And the problem is, too many people are selling. They're bottom feeding. They're selling to dreamers and not practicality. And it has no shot of being long term. And two, they're just not patient. You know, it's just like who here's retiring in five years? And I don't mean you're gonna fucking crush it and retire. I mean, I mean, you're fucking old and you're finished. <laughs> Nobody. And so like, you know, like in a world where people are gonna work for 20, 30 years, why is everybody's behavior like they're gonna work for two or yeah. three months? What is, what is your opinion in your relationship with risk? How do you view and evaluate it? Is it even a real concept to you? And how do you measure that, if at all? Yeah, it's not real. Like, I fuck with risk, you know? I like it. <laughs> like, it's part of the, like, if you're an entrepreneur, you're, you're, you're risking, you know? Like, I think the biggest riskiest thing I'm doing is I get some weird, strange fan that kills me on the streets <laughs> because I'm out there. I'm not joking. Like, like the risk of being, like, if you play, saying to anybody in this room what you think about risk is like asking somebody like who has a business or is an entrepreneur, like what's your thoughts on oxygen? <laughs> Do you know what I mean by that? I, I get it. Yeah. But, but there's, there's, uh, there's Let me sense. break it down. Like there's no such thing as a game, like you have to be okay with risk if you do business because it's the core, it's one of the core foundations of what happens. It's the biggest reason most people don't do it. It's the reason we have so much fake entrepreneurs right now because risk has been eliminated. There's so much free flowing money. These 22 to 25 year olds are raising money. There's no risk, they just learned on somebody else's back. Mm-hmm. I, I, I asked because when you're at, there's, there's 400 people in this room and about 398 of them yep. have a fear that it's all gonna go away one day. I think, that, maybe, I, think, and, I think weirdly all 400 of us do, right? Like there's always some piece that, but again, I kind of told you what I thought about that. I don't know, I could say this, there might be one and a half other people that actually are like me that actually are, think that's kind of romantically cool. I'm being serious. Like the single biggest thing I live for in my life is I told you so. It's actually quite sad and not noble. I, I, I live for sticking it to people. The, the thought of losing everything and then everybody's like, see, he wasn't that great. Like all the shit, it's like Ronda Rousey, right? Like she lost, now everyone's shitting on her and I'm like, fuck, I wish I was her. Because right now I'd be like, motherfucking, I'm gonna fucking show everybody, right? And so like, like nothing would drive me more and put me in the most ninja form of myself than to lose it all live in a fucking studio, have like my family be like, what the fuck? And then like literally, like as like the shitty fucking faucet with the fucking cockroach in the corner, I'd be like, cockroach, we're gonna fucking get it all back, motherfucker. <laughs> like, 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 I just, I, and I don't, and I don't know, and I don't know if it's because I secretly like want a movie made about me and that would add some drama <laughs> to the fucking plot. You know, like, I don't know what it is, but it's funny, I'm so cozy with risk because the on paper bad thing that happens on risk is actually really intriguing to me. Yeah, I, I, I'm of the opinion that when you can operate from that place, then nobody can really compete with you because you're willing to leave it all out there and it's eight miles, last, it's eight miles last scene, right? Like 
I, I said, you know what's funny? I said something to my staff the other day. I'm like, I'm getting so into this thesis that I'm like, do you think I should live life naked? And they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? I'm like, I'm like should I walk around fucking earth naked? <laughs> because, I, because it's kind of like this thing that if like, it's, it's like if you just put it out there and it's why I brought up the weird thing like the conversation I had with my wife which is very personal. Like I'm sure Lizzie would be like, why are you talking about that? Like, like you know, like, like, like it's this nakedness that gives you power. Like when fucking Eminem spits all his negatives, the other guy's like, fuck, what do I say? And so yeah, I believe in that quite a bit. I really do. And that's how I run my business. Like I'm not scared of it. I'm, not, I'm so not scared, it would make you uncomfortable to be in my shoes for one hour at the lack of scared I am in. Do, do you have a logical voice yeah. in the company that is like... Me. Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, pr- I'm serious, I'm practical as fuck. The, the, the sad thing about me wanting to lose it all is none of my behavior maps the potential of me losing it all. You know, so... I'm quite, I'm, I'm immigrant, like I'm real practical. I'm just showmanshi and like, and high energy and things that, but I'm a contradiction. I'm pulling from opposite directions. I'm real practical. I, uh, I was warned ahead of time. <laughs> I am. I, was, I, was, like, I run P&Ls, it's all cash flow, I understand my expenses, I don't over-exaggerate. I mean, I've grown it from three to 100 million with no fucking cash infusion, no M&A. It's been all cash flow management. That's real, that's, pra- that's called practicality. You know? And rent, I've got like four fucking, fucking, uh, what are they called when you fucking, the security deposits. Those fucking things piss me off because we keep moving and like, like I'm, I, I think about every little practical thing. I was, I was asked ahead of time to not talk about politics, so here I go. Okay. Uh, I, I'm curious, we, you mentioned we, we're living in the greatest shift yes. right now ever. Yes. And there's more opportunity involved yes. in that shift than yes. ever. There's also more bitching going on than ever before of people whining about everything. I love it. And, and, on, and there seems to me, at least from my perception, to be kind of a divide of people who get it and see that there's opportunity and people who want to cling to the past and hold on to that. I'm, I don't think that's a Republican or Democrat thing. I'm not, I'm not arguing for that. Yeah. I'm, I'm, just, I'm curious if you see a divide or if there is some sort of an alignment in that thinking. There's only a divide because things have been too good for too long and everybody's fucking soft. That's the only reason there's a divide. Now, what, what, what do you think is the, like globally, we need, what is We need a good fucking that? punch in the mouth. Like, we need a good punch, we need something actually to talk about, you know, instead of pontificating. Like, like we need, like, like, everyone's like, the economy's so bad. Economy's not bad. Economy's fine. Like, it just is. It's more than fine. Like, like it's not a boom, but nobody's, it's not the fucking depression. Like, what's the matter with people? It's context. Like, do you know how good we have it? Like, go to fucking Laos, where I'm on the board of Pencils of Promise and build schools. Go where people, like, like the, the lack of context. And then you have fucking media companies that are in the business of ratings, so they're pushing to the extreme on all these points of views, and they're dividing us out of commerce. I, 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 listen, I'm the biggest capitalist in the room, and I know you are, I, I, but I'm, I'm tied. You can tie me, right? But to not be self-aware enough to know that the reason there's a divide in our country is because media companies are trying to make money on commercials for people to watch them. So they, like, I know Glenn Beck 
and, and like his blueprint. Like I know what CNN's doing. Like I know Jeff Zucker, he lives right next to me, how he runs CNN. They're running for ratings to make money. The religion of our country, capitalism, but it is absolutely dividing us because people headline read and don't know what the fuck they're talking about. So, so back to where the genesis of your question, because I got on a tangent, is the government has no impact on winning entrepreneurs ever for the rest of time. Ever. I have never in my life pondered the government as a variable to my success. And as somebody who was born in a communist country, I'm more than happy to give my 50 cents on the dollar for this fucking amazing country. And yes, it goes to losers, I don't give a fuck. Net net, it's fucking better than anywhere else. That's the problem. The problem is, the problem is people want to take things in a microscope. They don't want to go net net. They want to say, oh, 50 cents on the dollar and it's going to people that aren't doing shit. They don't play the whole net game. They don't play the, cool, go do that in Switzerland, fuckface. Go rock it out. Remember all your friends that said if Bush got reelected they were gonna move to Canada? Where'd they go? Nowhere. Remember when everybody said that they were gonna go to fucking Canada when Obama got fucking reelected? Where'd they go? Nowhere. You know what we have? We have a lot of people that talk shit and their actions don't map their words, so fuck them. Let's, uh, let's head over to the audience. Go ahead. David Vu from Huntington Beach. Hey, what's up, Gary? How are you, brother? I took Bro, before you talk, one of the fun things about speaking is when, when somebody or a couple people in the crowd give you love along the way to like build your momentum, I really appreciate your, yeah, your P. Diddying of my talk was really appreciated. Awesome, brother. I actually took your course on Udemy.com. Fucking amazing course. Every entrepreneur in here should take it. <laughs> Thank like you, man. Little, little thing, a little thing. Thanks, bro. Um, I'm actually an instructor on there as well. Uh, I have the number one course in the business category. I have Good a two-part question for you. Please. Um, opinion and action-oriented. The first is, what are your thoughts on the Udemy as a platform, and would you bet down on it for building your brand? And number two, would you run Facebook ads to sell it on top of Udemy already running Facebook ads? Uh, number, I would, I would bet on e-learning, Udemy, Linda, uh, you know, uh, Grovo, company I'm about to invest in in B2B space, I believe in that. Uh, I believe, I ran it because I just wanted to understand the data. Uh, we just, ironically, just ran ads this week against it just to understand the data. Uh, but I would tell you that the blueprint is for people that have enough name recognition, like the people that take the stage during this weekend, you should do it yourself. Like why give fucking, Udemy is, it's like a publisher. They don't bring any real value, they're just taking your money for the exposure. So I would do it yourself, uh, or if you're coming up the charts like you did, use it, and then when you were big enough, leave and do it yourself. So like the model to me is they're taking too much of a percentage for just being the platform. Uh, if you're an A-list player, or have a big enough audience, so just build the tech, the tech is commoditized to do e-learning yourself. Um, and then two, if you're new, Use it because there's a lot of free eyeballs, nobody knows who you are. Once you get to that space, leave and do you. Just like the music industry, right? You come up on a label, you become one of the biggest bands in the world, you start your own label. Got it? You got it. Go back here. Gary, I'm Jeff Woods, I'm the host of the Menti Podcast, I write for Entrepreneur. When we were in Las Vegas for Thrive, I told you I was quitting my corporate sales job to start a company with Gary Heller, and um, I'm here now, so that happened. Good for you, man. Thank you. Um, 
we've been in the boardroom and we've identified what we want to do, which is to really take authors like yourself. You did that in a boardroom? It is. Fuck, that sucks. Okay. Um, to take authors boardrooms. like you, and yeah. instead of just going for the book, how do we take that intellectual property, repurpose it so that it's now monetized over courses, yes. over speaking, and systemize the crap out of yes. that so that we can just yep. pump people in? Yep. Here's the question. Yeah. How do we create a subscription model around that? Well, there's, I mean, there's people want things, and when, they, when it's around people, people want access, right? So like, the reason I like Periscope and, and Meerkat and Facebook Live and built my brand on Ustream way more than the history or my narrative talks about is one of the ways to build subscription is access. But then there's natural byproducts of, of like products that can be sold. The problem is most people in business, they're always information products, right? Which is a little bit difficult. So I, I think on a personal brand kick, you go one of a couple routes. I think you go in access. People will absolutely pay to be like, in the access, two-hour Q&A, once a month, whatever. Number two, I think this is the white space in this. I think you gotta tell a bigger story about the person. So like, one of the things that I could probably sell, believe it or not, in subscription, is just 12 items a month or a year around my interests. Maybe something for tailgating, because I'm a big Jets fan. I think we go too narrow with these personal brands. I think if you opened up, like mine would be something for tailgating, maybe a wine twice since that's my background. Maybe, you know, what other sneakers I'm really into? So maybe it's literally a sneaker. I think if you actually paint a more 360 picture of that person outside of themselves, like for this guy right here, maybe it's a baby item for a one-year-old because that's what just happened in his life. Like, I think if you actually tell a better narrative of that person, who they are as a human, not just as a business person, it gives you 12 items to sell and maybe you can build a subscription business that way. I've always thought that was a big white space. Cool, thank you. And now on the context of Thrive and incorporating that give element, the question we've been asking is, what's that give element that's gonna be woven into the heart of the company that would win the heart of the world? And we realize we wanna help reform the education system. So if we could start targeting the children of today while we're developing this kick-ass content, what are the skills that we could be teaching the next generation that they need to know that they're not being taught in school? You, are you asking me what the curriculum of that should be? What skill sets would you, do you think we should be teaching them? Yeah, every kid that's in school in America is fucked because they're teaching them nothing that's real. Like nothing. There's not a single... We literally have a school system that teaches kids to memorize information and then regurgitate it two months later when the fucking information's, who's the 15th president of the United States? This fucking old guy. (laughs) Like information has zero value, so of course, but you know that's a heady statement. There's a billion people doing that or trying to do that or wanting to do that. There's, so the answer is sure, but, but again, I think it comes down to the execution. I think everybody knows the things, guys, do you know what you, do you know how interesting this whole thing is? Do you know how much better we would all been off if we were, if we were taught in high school how to do our taxes? Yeah. How to like, how to like, like just like basic ass shit. Like, like just, how about like, how about how embarrassingly not handy I am? Like forget about like geometry, like fucking teach me how to hang a picture. Like, I, you know, like, like, like there is, there is no mapping, there's, absolutely no relevance right now to what's actually happening and they can't keep up with it. I am speaking at the best universities in the country 
on a consistent basis, going into the top marketing classes, sit for an hour before because I want to hear what the professor's saying, and it's so out of school, it is, it's so not relevant, it's so ludicrous, and I look at the kids in that class who are amassing debt for getting this marketing business degree, which is completely on their heads for the rest of their lives. You can't even bankruptcy out of it. It's fucked, which is why I believe in education online, which is like, sure, yes, I do think that you need to fix, I need to, everybody needs to fix education at the K through eight level. The problem is you can't get through the parents' romantic point of view of the world. The biggest problem right now, the only thing that universities are gonna live on for the next 30 years, the big ones, is the romance of the parents to send their kids to that school. It's called brand. It's why I spend all my time on it. Thank you. By the way, I didn't get into that, and I'm, I don't, it's so wild that that's how I got into it. It was something I wanted to cover on this talk. The difference between being in sales versus being in brand and marketing. The reason I don't try to transact is because I'm in the branding business. I'm trying to mean something to everybody, and I can't do that by trying to make a dollar on them the first time I meet them. And so the 99% of the people in internet marketing and marketing in the internet world and this whole fucking thing, you guys are salespeople. You're not branding. Let's go over here. Uh, Gary, Calvin Richard, originally from New Orleans. Hurricane Katrina kicked me out of there and forced me to Texas to become an entrepreneur. Love it. Uh, when I started my business, Crush It is what it gave me the kick in the butt to make it happen. It's Thank you, man. Right at the same time, so I appreciate Thank you. Thank you. Um, I, own, I own a faith-based business uh, doing a gym. Um, fitness boot camp, sports performance training. I'm constantly getting pulled to do uh, stuff online. Yes. You recently gave a, a, a butt kick into fitness professionals yes. on, on your show. What would you suggest how to use my niche and, um, you know, and, and attack the online service? I've got some guys in, that, that can actually make it happen. What would, your, what would your angle be? Look, I think it's coming, going down the education. The, the thing is, is the reason I believe in Udemy, back to the last question, is because my Udemy course, I think, is $10. Like, it's 99, but it's 10, right? With the code or whatever, 50 or, how much was it, do you know? Uh, 40? Good. Like, like the, I believe that all the stuff that everybody's trying to be told to do in fitness, this is, I think about things in moral compasses. I think it's a very bad idea for fitness people to sell fucking fitness like pills and powders that they have no idea what they are but they're trying to maximize the margin and buy it from China and they have no fucking idea if people that take it are gonna die or, you know, I think that's a bad idea. Do you know what I mean? I also think it's a bad idea to do a course on fitness for 800 buck ebook when the information's free on YouTube. You wanna do it for nine bucks? You wanna do it for 17 bucks? You wanna really know your science of the fucking product you're selling? Cool. The disconnect is not monetizing outside your skill in products and services, it's mispricing them or selling shit that you don't know. What's behind it. Got it? So that's, that's like, there's a, you know the answers. I'm not, I, everything's being pitched to you is right, except in execution. In theory, it's right to sell products. In theory, it's right to sell information. In theory, it's not right to sell a $397 ebook that's just cut and pasting from shit you found on the internet. In theory, it's not right to sell supplements that you have no idea what's in them other than you're just driving margin and you're white labeling something that your homie said, here's what we can get wholesale. I'm talking more of the coaching itself, like actually coaching training, the, the physical training, more on that angle. 
So if you want to go that route where you've coached coaches and they coach people, that's a super interesting business model. The vulnerability is it breaks when people leave you. And so one of the things I talked about is people skills. So if you decide to build a business where you coach up coaches and then they train people and you make a VIG on their training, you better make sure they love you for life because they can leave you and then you have no business. Like Those, Zach, Zach Evanish, I met you at, in Austin at that, that conference yes, first. Yes, yes I remember. Thank you. Pleasure. Let's give it up one more time for Gary Vaynerchuk. No more Q&A? I have no idea what time it is, actually. But I'd like to do a little more Q&A. You want to stick around for a moment? Hold on, let's see. What's, when it's is 5 it? o'clock. And we have the When's meet your heart stop? I've got, I've got to see Wes. I've right, cool. back. I saw, hold back on. down. We, we got time. Let's keep going. Let's do some, you guys want to do more Q&A? Good. So could we actually get, could, could, we'll take one, but I want to get a, a mic runner over here. I think this guy's arm is about to fall asleep or fall off. So will one yeah. of the mic runners come over here? I, really, I want to get this one. Good awareness. I appreciate you guys' attention. Hey, Gary. Uh, Devin Doris from St. Louis, Missouri. Love your, uh, love your show, man. Thanks, man. Uh, Louis, I, by the way, St. Louis is now the heavy leader to be the opening city for my Ask Gary Vee book tour in March. Sweet. So I hope you're there. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I, I think it's safe Did to say. Did they say sweet yeah, in St. Louis? That's it. It's a lock. We're doing St. Louis. <laughs> nice. Go ahead. So um, I, I think it's safe to say out of all the people I follow that you're definitely the biggest hustler. And you know, I'm just curious how you keep from burning out when you're just going so hard all the time. You know, I got lucky. I really love it. Like, you, we've, you know, we've gotten to go a little bit deeper in this Q&A. Like, I've gone to some funny places with you guys here today. Like, it, this is me, right? Like, I love it. I love it more, you know, that really rang true to me. And you did a good job by bringing that up. Like, I hate money. Like, it's unbelievable how much I don't like money. Meaning, I like money because I understand it enables the things I like. But the thought of, like, counting it or looking, like, the thought of looking at it is ludicrous to me. Right, like, 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 I find that funny that that's the meme that like you put a bunch of cash on the bed and you look at like, like, I, I just love this game so much. Do you know how humbled I am that I can sit in a city and have 400 people really care or or begin to start caring about what I say? Like, I'm humbled by the attention. I'm grateful for the skills I was given. I'm glad that I have a good balance of charisma and the bullshit, but also practicality and honesty, which I think makes me different in this space than a lot of people, because so many people that have my charisma, do you know how manipulative I could be given the talents I have? <laughs> I'm being serious. Like I, could, like, like, I could be the guy. Like, I think I could make 100 million on bullshit in a heartbeat, right? I've got it. And so like, but I'm really happy that I have the other part that would never allow me to like sleep at night, right? Which then makes me this kind of thing that I think makes it a little bit more interesting because the funny thing is for the people in this room, maybe for yourself as well, the first time you capture me, hear me, see me, you know, the level of cynicism is high because it's so fucking over the top, right? Um, I like the, ah, I got you, because you thought I was full of shit, but I'm more honest than anybody, right? Like, I love that. Um, and so I love building businesses. I'm talented. Do you know how good it feels to like be able to like build a hundred million dollar revenue business in your fucking sleep? I can do that every day of my life for the rest of my life. I've got it in me. Like it's just that's unbelievable. Um, do you know how crazy it is to truly believe you're gonna pull off a goal that you put out in the world for 40 years? Do you know what kind of fucking national holiday I hope it is when I buy the New York Jets? Like, like you know, I'm just grateful. 
Do you know, do you know how thankful I am to have like the greatest parents who parented me perfectly, allowed me to bet on my strengths when the narrative wasn't obvious? Immigrant families push education. That's the way out. My parents let me be my entrepreneur self and it helped me. So I'm, grat- I'm grateful. You know, I lost my grandparents before I was born, so I haven't had a lot of, I'm 40 years old. I really have had very little death in my family. I'm grateful for that. So, you know, I'm just grateful and I feel like I've got something. And I feel like I can't, if I got so lucky to get this thing, well then who am I to like not fully squeeze the living shit? I, you know, I feel like a lot of people got an orange. And I feel like I got this fucking like boulder ass fucking orange. And I need to fucking squeeze that shit, you know? So. Cool, thank you. It's a bolder ass orange. I, 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 wanna, I wanna add to that that like, you live in 2015, 2016 in the United States of America. Like, I'm, also we, we a, all, I'm also a white male in America in 2015. Like, I've literally hit the lotto at super scale. Like, like you, you could be, you could have been a fucking bottled water that I just drank. Like, like you know, like, like forget about being another human. What if you were a fucking ladybug? That sucks. Like, like. I, I think I think you've kind of iterated this several times. Of like, you look at it like a game. Like, there's almost no way to lose. So in in that vein, there's no reason not to just put it all out there. And because, I'm an, I'm an because optim- you can't I'm lose. I'm an optimist. Because everybody in this room should be. Like, like the, the thought of, like an American, the poorest American complaining contextually is fucked up. It just is. It just is. Amen to that. Okay, go over here. My name is uh, Matt Paulson from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Um, so you built a $65 million a year wine business yes. and decided that wasn't enough. Yes. Um, for most people, they would just ride that wave as, as long as it would possibly go and say, I'm the wine guy that does $50, yes. $100 million a year, but you decided to start over. So it's easy to decide to start over when you, when you failed and what you're doing isn't working. How do you decide to start over when what you're doing is working really well? And how do you know that's not enough? And how do you decide to do something else? Because when you look yourself in the eye, and you actually have that first real conversation like I did on my 30th birthday, you realize that you're failing. You know? Because to the outward game, 65 million might seem like winning. And you're right, I mean, the craziest part of that story, and it's funny, when you were talking, I was like, huh, people don't even know the real story. Got, right around that same time, I got offered to be a judge on Top Chef when Top Chef was the number one show on TV. And the next hour was gonna be called Changing the Wine World, a one hour, uh, reality show on me. I would have been really famous, you know? And yeah, I just knew that wasn't for me. But again, it's the same way as I want every, so that's the one version. Please make sure you're doing your version, which is, it might not just be about more money or more business success, it may be about work-life balance or the other things you wanna do. Listen, I've been surprised what's happened to me in the last couple weeks. I've started having interesting feelings of, for the first time, first time, I'm like, hmm, okay, I might start wanting to deploy this skill against other things. Like, yes, I'm very happy of who I am as a philanthropist and like I do good deeds and things of that nature, but like there's a lot of other things I can do with this propaganda machine, you know, that is gonna be interesting and I'm starting to have those feelings. So I already am recognizing, hmm, I may do this for who knows what other reasons or what kind of things, but for me it was just, honestly, it was very obvious. In the same way that maybe somebody sitting in a trash can right now poor 
and has nothing and looks themselves like in a puddle and says, you're not winning, I literally looked at myself that exact way in the rear view, I can tell you exactly where, in the rear view mirror on I-95 and around Carlstadt, New Jersey, I literally looked myself directly in my eye and said, you're not, gonna win. you're not winning. You're just not winning. You're just not squeezing this, like you've got this big fucking orange. It's a fucking bolder orange, Gary, squeeze it. <laughs> All right, we're gonna, we're gonna take one more and we'll go way in the back here. Hi, Gary and uh, Ryan, thanks for the presentation. I'm Ty from uh, Fresno, California. If you know where it is, don't ever go there. <laughs> um, the question I have for you two is actually uh, about expansion and contraction. Yes. Um, I haven't experienced that. It was, uh, it was very tough. I, uh, I went through some expansion, and at one time I was leveraging somewhere over a million dollars in my um, you know, yep. derivative market. And, and when I get so close to my dream, for some reason, I effed it up really bad. Because you I, over, well, because you held your breath. You're be, not for some reason, because you decided to go high risk, high reward in your actions, which by the way, the timing and serendipity allows sometimes for it to work out, and sometimes it doesn't. But it wasn't because of some reason, you played the game of high risk, high reward, which is why when he said, who's the logical voice, I said, me, motherfucker. You know, I don't, pl- I don't play that game. And so when people say, Gary, when are you gonna buy the Jets? Five years? I'm like, are you an idiot? I don't play that game. I need 25, 30 years. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a tortoise in a hare's costume, right? So, go ahead. Yeah, that, that's why I, uh, you, know, you know, it's funny because I was sitting there, I thought I was one of the hardest working person until I hear Gary say that he don't eat. <laughs> <laughs> And I say, you know what, I, I was in it for the wrong reason, so I gotta fix myself. I feel like I'm lazy, you gotta sleep like about eight hours a, di- a day. So. That fucking is crazy. Yeah. Well, um, no, what, though, by the way, real quick, just so I'm fully always on the record, I'm a big fan of sleep, I think it's healthy. Like, that's just math too. Like, n- nobody's gonna win on three hours of sleep every day. The, this, the Vine story, that was three hours of sleep for three weeks, fucking slept like 19 hours that next Saturday. So like, you know, <laughs> sleep is good. Eight's not bad. I mean, look, six would be better than eight. That gives you two more hours to fucking do something. But so, so basically, what happened to me was I, I, I become so depressed, and uh, sometime in my dream, I, I had a dream that my wife is reaching her hand out and trying to choke me. But I, like, I went negative <laughs> in the red zone, so I lost a house, all my retirement, and things like that. I'm sorry. Um, but uh, one one day. Um, I become emotional and, and I decided to go for a bike ride, which I haven't ride forever. And I took my mountain bike, went out for, um, to, to the poorest side of town to try to figure out what I Love don't it. want. Love and it. Uh, and the, the street called Washington where I can get killed at any time basically in Fresno, in the west side. And then after that I ride my bike all the way to the, rich, the richest side of, uh, of town and try to figure out what I want. And uh, next thing you know I was about five hours into riding and I was by the river, I got so tired, I fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> and by the time I wake up, I, I talk to my wife, I say, I, I probably, you know, I'm so tired, I, I, I think I figured out who I am during that, that trip, but I was so tired that I couldn't get back up because um, behind me was a hill, I came down, you know, and it was a hill, so I have to uh, ride back for forever there. <laughs> but um, the, the question was, um, in your experience, have you ever come to the time where you're going through a quick expansion? Do you prepare yourself or foresee 
uh, a contraction ahead of you? So what I do is, in two businesses that I've operated, they had hyper growth, but they were based on complete and utter practicality. They're like, I literally, like the only thing that I can't hedge against in my business is my death. Everything else is very calculated because the difference between you and I so far, and the best part is, you know what's amazing about life is you're so much younger than you realize. Like, if somebody, t- I'm the patient, I'm the most patient guy I know, which again, based on my energy, confuses people until they get to know me. If somebody told me how young I would be in spirit at 40, at 22, I would have been even, I would have been in a coma. I would have been that patient, right? What's crazy to me is I listen to you, and that's a very intense story that you're sharing with everybody, and you told it in a funny way. I thought you were about to tell us that you entered the Tour de France, you know? <laughs> you know? But, but what's really cool is I'm looking, I'm like, and what's amazing about entrepreneurship, you know, you know who I feel bad for? Athletes. I feel really bad for professional athletes because they only have a window, right? Like if they decide, like I thought of you as an athlete actually when you were talking, that if you made your money and you were a number one draft pick and you were in the NFL and during those seven years you just fucked up, you were impatient, you, you hooked up with too many girls, you drank, you didn't, you didn't do the right things. When you're 32, there's just no going back, it's over. The greatest thing that we all have in this room is that we decided to be business people. And that you can, like you're, like I'm 40, I'm gonna be a businessman in 40 years. Like we get to play forever. And so you get to learn from that. The difference between you and I, the reason I don't contract and will never contract is I don't try to over expand. I'm outrageously patient. I can wait to get mine. And always could. I was 29 years old, built a huge business, and was making $47,000 a year take home. And I had friends who were making a buck 50 on Wall Street, new cars, hanging out every weekend, and I'm 28, 29, working 7.30 to 10 p.m. You know, like, and like, this whole Gary V thing that you guys all, that only started when I was 30. Like, like, you just have more time than you think. And so, I don't think I will, because it's not in my behavior to leverage myself to where I don't have control and I can lose it because I don't want that to happen and it's because it's not in my actions. So maybe I, at this point at 40, have left 25, 50, 100 million dollars on the table by not accelerating, but I'm gonna get there and I don't wanna ride the bike fucking in the bad part of town. <laughs> Gary, thank you for being thank here. Thank you Let's so much. Hey guys, I hope you really enjoyed this episode of the Gary Vee Experience. Now go out and share this, pass it on, let me know what you thought.